Ten years ago, in his first speech as the leader of the world's most populous nation and second-largest economy, Xi Jinping talked about the great revival of the Chinese nation. Under his leadership, she said, China would stand more firmly and powerfully and make a greater contribution to mankind. Uyghur scholar Ilham Toti was paying close attention. He sounded so sad. He's like, "I think it's gonna change now. Things are gonna get better." That's Toti's daughter, Jur Ilham. She says her father was optimistic that things would improve for Uyghurs, the Turkic-speaking ethnic minority living in China's western region of Xinjiang. Toti is an outspoken activist for Uyghur rights, but his high hopes for Xi Jinping didn't last long. He was officially arrested、uh, January fifteenth, two thousand fourteen. Three months later, she would visit Xinjiang and secretly set in motion an unprecedented crackdown on Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in the name of fighting terrorism and separatism. By some estimates, a million or more people would eventually be detained. That September, Ilham Toti was sentenced to life in prison for separatism. It's kind of sad that he was so hopeful. In the ten years since she first came to power, China has been marked by growing authoritarianism, but she has also faced challenges. His tough zero COVID policy included strict lockdowns that sparked rare protests and weakened the Chinese economy. Relations with the U.S. have deteriorated sharply, in part because of tensions over the status of Taiwan. She has also cultivated a close relationship with Russia's Vladimir Putin, even after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Not a particularly popular move on the global stage, but as Chinese politics expert Joseph Torrigian puts it, the Chinese Communist Party is not a popularity contest. And even if it were, it's hard to gauge public opinion in China. Independent polling on politics is banned, and speaking out against the Communist Party can get you thrown in jail. Plus, Xi Jinping does have a lot of support in the country from people like Lao Zhang, a retired factory worker who's seen a lot of change in China over his 72 years. Xi Jinping is a good man. I think he's honest and upright. According to Zhang, that's key in today's China. He applauds Xi for attacking corruption, tackling poverty, and trying to create more equality. And he praises him for unapologetically standing up for China on the international stage. We want him to stay in office and have at least one more term. He's good. This week, Zhang is likely to get his wish. Consider this. Xi Jinping has become China's most powerful leader since the founder of the People's Republic of China, Mao Zedong. This week, delegates to the Chinese Communist Party Congress are expected to hand Xi Jinping a norm-breaking third term. Many experts believe that he may emerge an even more emboldened leader. He's able to focus even more on implementing his foreign strategy and operationalizing his vision of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. Coming up, we'll look at the impact a third Xi term could have on China and the world. From NPR, I'm Juana Summers. It's Wednesday, October nineteenth. It's consider this from NPR. 
the world got a glimpse of what a third term with Xi Jinping in power could mean for China moving forward during a nearly two-hour speech he delivered on the opening day of this year's Communist Party Congress. She echoed his words from a decade ago, saying that now is a historical opportunity for China to raise its standing and influence in the world. He once again defended his aggressive zero-COVID policy, and he hinted at further pressure on unification with Taiwan, saying, We reserve the option of taking all measures necessary. He also warned of dangerous storms facing China. Yoon Soon is a senior fellow and co-director of the East Asia Program and director of the China Program at the Stimson Center. She says ominous warnings like that aren't unusual for Xi Jinping. Because that's actually part of the government tactics or his leadership techniques, which is to warn the people of the dangers that China is in and then showcase to the people that I am your best option. I can lead you out of this obstacle and I can lead you out of these difficult times. So it's more of a leadership legitimization. Yoon Soon foresees a bolder Xi Jinping in the near future. She spoke to my colleague Elsa Chang about what a third Xi term says about his hold over the Chinese Communist Party now. It means that China has entered a new era and it's really a piece of uncharted water compared to what we have seen in the past four decades. In the past four decades, per the 1982 constitution, we knew that for sure China had a power transition plan for the leadership. So every 10 years, there is going to be a new leader and there is a consensus building process in terms of the selection of that leader. Mm -hmm. But now by abandoning that practice and that tradition, Xi Jinping's third term means that we don't know what the future leadership transition in China will look like or how it will be determined. And that raises a lot of potential for instability or even power struggle and elite politics competition within the Chinese Communist Party. And what's interesting is it has been a relatively politically trickier time for Xi Jinping lately, right? Like, can you talk about the effect that the zero COVID policy and the resulting economic slowdown in China has had on Xi's influence? Yes, indeed. 2022 has not been a good year for Xi Jinping. And especially if you consider the power transition and the third term that he has had his eyes on. 2022 is a terrible year. The Russian war in Ukraine also created a lot of uncertainty as well as embarrassment for China in terms of Xi Jinping's foreign policy. People ask questions that how did you reach that no limit cooperation commitment with Putin? Did you know that Putin was going to invade Ukraine within three weeks of that joint statement. So this year has really been hard for Xi Jinping because he has to explain, despite all these hardships and all these strategic headwind that we have encountered this year, I still deserve a third term. Right. My leadership is still warranted. My leadership is still the best option for the party and for the Chinese people. The party congress is celebrated and Chinese people just hope that, well, let's conclude this party congress so that we can move forward. We can reduce some of the COVID-related restrictions and we can resume normal economic and social activities. Mm-hmm. I want to talk further about the global implications of a third term for Xi Jinping. What does his holding on to power mean specifically for U.S.-China relations in your mind? I think it means three things. The first one is that with Xi Jinping inking his third term at the party congress, which means moving forward, he is not going to be distracted by this domestic political priority anymore. 
In the past five years, I would say Xi Jinping was aiming for the third term, but he had to prioritize how to convince the establishment within the party and convince the elderly leaders why it is a good idea to remove the term limit and why it is a good idea for him to violate the traditions that had been established. So moving forward, he's no longer going to be distracted by this political agenda, which is domestic primarily. Mm -hmm. So he's able to focus even more on implementing his foreign strategy and operationalizing his vision of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. That inevitably will lead to even more, I would say, contest for influence and contest for leadership, contest for superiority with the United States. And the other two factors is within the party. After the 20th Party Congress and Xi Jinping secures his third term, he is going to appoint his political confidants and his political loyalists to all the key positions that are related to national security mm -hmm. and the foreign policy, because this is actually one of the area compared to, for example, domestic reform and domestic economic policy. This is an area that Xi Jinping is going to prevail. These people are going to operationalize his vision and his strategy with even more momentum and more precision. And that leaves us to the third factor, which is dissenting views. And the people who do not believe that Xi Jinping's current, for example, policy towards the United States is a good idea, their voices are going to be eliminated from within the bureaucracy. So there is not going to be check and balance. There is not going to be a challenge to the assumptions and to the existing consensus hmm. within the bureaucracy. And these three factors are all going to, I believe, deepen Xi Jinping's boldness. That was Yoon Soon, a senior fellow and co-director of the East Asia Program and director of the China Program at the Stimson Center. At the heart of all of this are the decisions made every five years by China's Communist Party Congress. Yet we know very little about how those decisions are made. As NPR's Emily Fang explains, what happens at the Party Congress still remains shrouded in secrecy. This is what we get to see of the Party Congress, unveiled to us at the very end. Usually a line of seven men who form the next top echelon of Communist Party leadership. They're called the Politburo Standing Committee, and it's this group that makes all the big decisions in China for the next five years. What we do not see is how they were chosen. It's a legitimating activity. That's Ling Li, who teaches Chinese politics at the University of Vienna in Austria on a decision-making process that is shrouded in secrecy. Instead of just appointing new party leaders, they go through all these electoral procedures, which is very much rehearsed and planned, but the result gives the choices of the next generation of party leaders uh, a heightened legitimacy. The few rules that are written down in the party charter either aren't followed or they can be changed to produce the desired political outcome. For example, this time, Xi Jinping, the current head of China's Communist Party, wants to stay on beyond two five-year terms, despite previous efforts to standardize power transitions. The, the whole norm of serving two terms, a ten, you know, 10 years, is a very new thing. 
That's Victor Shi, a professor of Chinese politics at the University of California, San Diego. And Xi Jinping doesn't seem to just want a third term. He effectively could be the country's leader for life. He will serve the third term, but then people are like, well, what about five years from now? What about 10 years from now? Is there ever going to be a plan to have a successor to Xi Jinping? Since the 1980s, then-party leader Deng Xiaoping tried to standardize how leaders are appointed and distribute decision-making power among the Politburo's standing committee. These reforms were meant to prevent an autocrat from taking power for life and reduce the influence of retired officials. But Alfred Wu, a political science professor at the National University of Singapore, says this party congress will likely signal a reversal of all of this. Deng Xiaoping tried to argue for a modernization of uh, Chinese public administration system. So he does not want uh, some senior folks to uh, dominate the politics in China. But now it looks like uh, uh, someone, someone will be in power forever. And now Xi Jinping has amassed enormous power over not just the Communist Party, but the country's military and police as well. Still... Wu Tiang, he's an independent political analyst in Beijing. He says people in China are closely watching this party congress. It will showcase just how much of a hold Xi Jinping actually has over the Chinese Communist Party. Even those who feel fear or regret at the party's political controls have this fantasy that there will be some kind of effort at accountability, even a political pivot where Xi's third term is opposed by officials within the Communist Party. That's why this party congress is so important. It gives us a glimpse of where China is heading. But in reality, almost none of what goes on behind the scenes is ever revealed. And that's extraordinary just how little we know about how one of the most powerful countries in the world is run. NPR's Emily Fang reporting. Earlier in the episode, NPR's John Ruich also contributed reporting. From NPR, it's Consider This. I'm Juana Summers.